Podcast Studios. This, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now! Hello, friends. How are you? Great. It's a nice sunny day today. It's a throwback Thursday on all of the Scott and Kat stations if you're listening to the radio. And there's a lot going on that we're going to get to in After 9. Tell me if the timing... Uh, yeah, it's After 9. We do so many shows in a day, guys. It's so <laughs> I love that you had to pause. Honestly, did I say that right? I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. I have nightmares of driving home from here thinking, oh, did, did I? I say Fresh 93.1 or Fresh 103.1? Yeah, oh, shit. What happened? Did that person want to do something with us in Barrie or was that in London or was that in Kitchener or was that for Hamilton or was that the Toronto thing? I don't remember anymore. Yeah. Uh, hey, it's uh, we'll sort it out. It's a good problem to have. Don't feel bad for us. Feel bad for rich housewives. Oh, no. This, uh, what is her name? She is a... I don't even think it matters to her anymore what her name is. She's calling herself the original housewife of Dubai. Okay. And she's in the news because she's put out a video which is basically calling on people to see the downside of being a rich Mm -hmm. housewife. Okay, first of all, before we get into this, because... Oh, it's so ir- like it's going to irritate so many people. I understand. I'm, I'm irritated too. Have you ever seen any of the housewife shows? Never. You've never seen them. So uh, it will boggle your mind. And some of them do have jobs. Okay. That said, because there's a lot of different cities now. There's housewives of this, that, and the next thing. At one point it was only like LA and New York or something. And now there's, da- there's Dallas and there's all kinds of places. There's a Toronto one there too, is isn't a- there? I thought so. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't watch any, I don't watch any of them regularly, but I have watched before. The Toronto one's just a whole hour of the woman sitting in traffic trying to get her kid to soccer practice. (laughs) That's right. But it's amazing when you watch it how frustrated you get when you watch the shows. Because aside from all the drama and the cattiness between the housewives, you know what they'll do is like they'll go to lunch together, right? So they'll set up like a scene and they're in lunch and then someone gets there before someone else and the person that's late is always like... I got sorry. I just had such a crazy day and the nail appointment went longer than I thought. And then I was going to get my hair done. And then the girl's like, oh, I can't, you know, like the stresses are not stresses. Nothing like the real life stress. But when you base your life on those stresses, they, they really do believe a lot of people really do believe they have a stressful life even if they're essentially catered to all day long by various different people, security being one, personal shoppers being another, and et cetera, et cetera, for the super rich anyway. Well, that's similar to what this woman is saying here. And again, she calls herself the original Dubai housewife. She is on TikTok complaining about the downsides of being a wealthy wife. She is originally from Jordan. She tied the knot with her husband, Ricky, who is a Forex and crypto trader. Okay. When she was just 19 years old. She's 23 now. Oh, wow. And and she's just living a life of luxury. How old is he? Does it say? It doesn't say okay, how old okay, he is. Okay. I get the curious. impression he's a little bit older, but okay. n- not by much. All right, fine, fine. So she grew up in the United States where she was sharing a one-bedroom apartment with her family of six. Oh, no. Now she has six bedrooms to choose from each night. (laughs) Does her family want to move in with her now? I'm sure they're asking. Yeah. Uh, Linda's expressing weariness with the fleeting novelty of riches, expressing discontent with the constant display of wealth through extravagant meals and excessive material possessions gifted by her husband and a persistent fear of being robbed. She says it is a lot of pressure to maintain her good-looking appearance. And she has the absence of 
personal transportation because she's got a driver to take her everywhere. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's the complications of nonstop luxurious travel on private jets and private helicopters. In other words, she wants you to know the downside of being a wealthy wife. Oh, this is, I mean, come on. She's doing it to get views and follows and likes, right? And to add, and there's going to be controversy in the comment section galore. I'm assuming there's a lot of people like a lot of boohoo, shut up. Oh, people are, look at this. How ungrateful could you be? Want to trade lives? I'd make the best out of it. Stop complaining. Give me your life if you don't want it. It's right. amazing how, and I'm not going to say she's completely wrong. I'm sure there's probably some inconveniences that come with being a very wealthy person. But for her to go out and play woe is me, that's a little rich, ironically enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I, does she love her husband? This is going to be a weird question, but does she like seem like she loves her husband? Oh, that's a good question. And I mean that sincerely because there are, we all know how it works. Sometimes people marry for the money and the money only, and they're okay with it if they're rich. And I'll say husband, but it could be the other way around. Their rich partner uh-huh. is away a lot, you know, for work or whatever. Like they don't really care. They're just in it for that lifestyle. And I'm just curious if she brings him into the equation. Like, she doesn't add like, but it's all worth it because I love him. Like, I'm not hearing any of that. Nope. I don't hear that either. I'm also wondering if she's interested in going back to her old life, sharing a one-bedroom apartment yeah. with a family of six. Do you miss it? I don't know <laughs> that she no. does. I mean, <laughs> I don't think it sounds appealing to anybody. Careful what you complain about, right? I mean, yeah. we've all got problems in life. I've got them. You've got them. Everybody mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But when you complain to an audience that really shouldn't be expected to be sympathetic, you've got to expect this backlash. Yeah. Hey, listen, I got a great job that comes with the same issues that other people with great jobs have. And, and you know what? If I sit here and complain, oh, my God, they keep giving us all these freaking concert tickets to give away. That's a problem for yeah. me. I don't have time to give well, away all the tickets they give us. But nobody is going to have sympathy for that. So I would shut my mouth on that it's one. It's one word, and it takes a lot to figure out, but it's perspective, right? It's perspective is key in life because, and I've been there before, by the way, where I, one person's like biggest issue and nightmare, like where they had to cancel something for, like a get together for, was something that happens to a lot of people on a daily. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we just found out we have to fix our fence. Oh, fuck. I got to get on the line with people. It's too much. I can't even. I can't. And I think like there's people who deal with like a million, a laundry list of shit. And that wouldn't even be the highest, close to the highest thing on their list of things to do that are, you know, in the negative. Perspective is everything. And her perspective has clearly changed a lot to the point where she's out of touch. Or like I suggested in the beginning, and I don't think it's far off that she's doing this on purpose for the follows in the comments, she knows that the more comments you get, the algorithm takes over and everyone's going to be watching this. And everyone did. It's viral. While we're online, let's do a couple of, couple more here. A woman in the UK going viral after she caught her boyfriend cheating and decided to get back at him by hiding smelly food in his apartment. <laughs> she shares a video where, and I don't even know how the hell she thought of this. You know, I assume that many curtain rods are hollow. One rod fits Mm -hmm. into the other rod and you can adjust it to any size you want. She thought, perfect. She went out and bought a bag of shrimp and stuffed the shrimp in the curtain rod. She figured he will never 
look in the curtain rod, but he's going to go crazy trying to figure out where that smell is coming from in his apartment. Probably to the point where he won't want to have his mistress over because it fucking stinks. It's like the old school, like putting a dead fish carcass in the backseat of someone's car until they finally know something is wrong. That's that's hardcore. Like you must hate that person to go that far. Like why can't you just leave it alone? Like why don't you just walk away? It's very petty. Nobody got hurt. It is very petty. It was uh, nonviolent. It's definitely frustrating for whoever is victimized by this. <laughs> the smell would be violent. Oh my god! Can you imagine how bad that rotten shrimp would smell after and a I while? And I mean, the point of it is, and I think everyone realizes this, that he'd never be able to find the damn thing because he goes, something smells like <laughs> fucking dead shrimp carcass. Yeah. Where is that coming from? And who would think to check there? I think that's the point of it, right? Absolutely. Uh, when you dive into the comments section, other people have weighed in with ways that they've gotten back at their ex doing something similar. One person says, you know that liquid that comes in jars of minced garlic? Dumped it in my guy's shoes. Oh, no. All of them. Oh, no. Oh, well, you've just... Real. You can't get that. You probably can't get that smell out. Even if you know it's there, you probably can't get that smell out. You'd have to throw out all those shoes. Honestly. Someone filled a spray bottle with milk and then sprayed it all over the guy's carpet. Mm. Figuring again, he'd never know where the smell's coming from. Someone removed the back panel of their ex's TV and stuffed it full of crab meat. Oh my gosh. Who thinks of that? <laughs> How did you know to take the back off the TV? Was there really nowhere else well, you could have put it? And like, here's the thing is, when did you do that? Like right before you dumped them? Or did you dump them, still have access to the home and continue to insert seafood in various places <laughs> of their house? Like, what's the timeline like? Or did you just like stick with them for a while? Like, I, I'm, it's confusing to me. I've never been in that scenario where I've wanted to like shove dead fish carcasses places, but it's interesting. One more from online. Ozempic. Ozempic. Ozempic is that drug that was originally for, was it diabetes? It is a diabetes. I think it's a drug for diabetics, if I'm not mistaken, yes. Well, now some have discovered that it does help you lose weight to the point where people are going to their doctor and practically begging and bribing to try and get a prescription for Ozempic. That's right. And in the U.S., it's the Wild West on this one. Here in Canada, they say they're trying to protect our supply so doctors are being a little more disciplined Mm -hmm. in who they do and don't prescribe it to. I know someone. I think we talked about um, this before on the podcast with Dave. I know someone who actually, like, point blank asked their doctor, like, give me Ozempic. And they're like, no, no, we don't just do that. <laughs> you but they qualify. should. It's not well, going to hurt anybody. If not, you want it, tell the doctor to fucking give it to you. She's not diabetic, though, is the thing, right? Well, and I there's think everybody heat. could lose some weight. If that, and I mean, that is, a, is that technically a side effect of the drug? Or is that the purpose of the drug? I think weight loss is uh, part of the intention of the drug because diabetics would probably want to lose some weight or possibly need to lose some right, weight. Right, right, right. I don't think it would be a side effect, but it's also intended as a treatment. For yeah, diabetes. it's just a supply issue though. I think honestly, if we had supply of that, like we have of many other drugs, it wouldn't be as big of an issue because it's like, it's on you as an adult. You want to inject yourself with something, go ahead. Here's the list of side effects. And some people experience none. Some people experience a lot. Well, when it comes to Ozempic, there are rave reviews from influencers and celebrities and and so many other people that you follow online. But not everybody's so lucky. The group of Ozempic side effects on Reddit now has 30,000 members. 
30,000 people following the side effects of this drug. And one of the things that keeps coming up, people are shitting themselves. <laughs> They're actually <laughs> shitting themselves. Well, that'll make you lose weight. Here's one. I quite literally shit myself while sleeping. That's a first. <laughs> it's been a tough few days of diarrhea after my first semi-glutide injection. Oh. This 43-year-old anonymous writer says, I just feel so embarrassed about being a grown adult who messed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> the drug slows the digestive process, making people feel full for longer periods of time. That can lead to constipation, but it can also signal to the brain that the stomach contents need to be emptied sooner, resulting in this diarrhea. So imagine you've had this shot and maybe you feel the weight coming off. You've got the ozempic in you and you're walking down the road and your butt just decides now. It's out. It's out. <laughs> it's coming out. Well, that's what's happening. People are just like out of nowhere pooping themselves after they took this drug Wow. in some cases. So knowing that, would you? Yeah. <laughs> that's the question, right? People would still what? be like, well, oh I could buy new jeans yeah. and new friends. <laughs> <laughs> I could get new sheets. That's no problem. Do you give HR a heads up at work? Like, hey, listen, I'm here. But just so you know, I could shit myself at any time. <laughs> <laughs> if there's stock and like depends, get it now. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you can, but I would. Because I feel like there's people who want to lose weight so bad that they're like, I'll wear a fucking diaper. I don't give a shit. I'll literally give a shit for it. The good news is you lost 20 pounds. The bad <laughs> news is you've got to wear a diaper for the next four years. <laughs> I mean, come on. I waddle when I walk, but I lost weight. Riddle me this. <laughs> I oh, always walk with my butt cheek with my butt cheeks clenched, <laughs> just in case I've accidentally ingested some Ozempic. I got some poop in my pants during this meeting, but I'm losing weight. <laughs> Cat like clockwork. Following the opening weekend of Fast Ten. Today, police forces across the greater Toronto-Hamilton area are announcing a new plan called Project Erase. It's actually not a new plan. It's one that they've done several times in the past. But police in Barrie, Halton, Hamilton, Durham, Toronto, just some of the forces that are participating in eliminate racing activity on streets everywhere. Uh-huh. Is it cliche or is it brilliant? Cops know that people are going to go see this movie and then feel the need for speed and bust out of there doing 200K on the 407. I, th I think it's a mix of things. Like, yes, absolutely, but not necessarily because of the movie. This time of year is when we get people speeding more, right? We, we've been cooped up all winter. The people who have the fast cars want to show off their fast cars, and now we've got clear roads. It, it, I'm not sure if this is still the stat, and maybe you know, but I remember reading that it's between April and the end of June is actually the most fatalities on the road between cars, motorcycles, with speed being a factor specifically. So it, it doesn't surprise me that they would launch it at this time. This is the time that people are speeding, the roads are finally clear, the weather's good, you're pumped up and excited, and that's when you get the excessive speeders. And again, the I remember hearing about the fatalities because you'd think like, oh, the winter months, people might, no, no, not at all. It's usually the springtime. The spring is when people die on roads based on speed factors the most. A lifestyle vlogger out of Australia going viral for saying that the see-through wedding dress that she wore during Oops. the after party of her wedding was done to send a message to her future daughter, Ashley Rasso. What? 
<laughs> is a fashion, beauty, wellness, and home content provider on TikTok. Is fucking everybody an influencer now? Is yeah, everybody an influencer. It? Well, uh, she says in a 23-second video clip that was uploaded last Tuesday that she is wearing a see-through wedding dress at her wedding. This is the after party, what she changed into to send a message to her future daughter to be fearless. Oh. The woman hired House of Harper Australia, a luxury ready-to-wear and bespoke bridal wear company, to make her after-party dress, which featured detached lace sleeves, a back cutout with buttons, a sweeping train, and an opaque strapless bra and underwear set. I looked at the picture. She looks great. But is that really why she wore a see-through wedding dress to her wedding to send a message to her daughter to be fearless? Because as her kid, I don't know that I would have got that message. (laughs) I might have seen that and thought, shit, mom, will you please fucking cover up? (laughs) Like, I'm I'm not going to, I don't feel like that's fearless. She pulled the reasoning out of her see-through ass there. There's no, that's not, that can't be it. That can't be it. Sending a message, by the way, because you know why? She said future daughter. Okay. First of all, are you even pregnant? She's like, not. Stop. Stop saying that you're doing things for your future anything when the, it has nothing to do with kids. Your wedding right now has nothing to do with your kids. Will they one day maybe look back and see a photo? Would they probably ask you, hey, mom, why are you naked at your after party? That's kind of awkward. <laughs> Uncle Tom was there. That's fucking weird. Why would you do that in front of grandpa? Like all that shit? Yeah, you're going to have to answer to some questions. But don't pretend it's because you are you want them to be fearless. Do it for yourself, by all means, if that's what you want to do. And you want to prove to yourself that you're fearless. But don't bullshit me that it's about your future kids and what they will or will not take from that moment in your life. That's well, horseshit. It's just such a cop-out. What? Am I going to walk down the street with my cock out and say, I'm doing it for my son? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Hey, my son, I want to whip his dick out in public too. Yeah, I just want to tell him it's okay. You be fearless, kid. <laughs> Pull your cock out while you're walking. That's not what you're doing it for. No, no, you're doing no. it for attention. And that's the thing. Well, maybe attention or maybe for you. Maybe that. Maybe truly you had, you know, a, a body dysmorphia of some kind where you didn't feel like you would be able to do that and you did. A wedding's a weird place to do it, but that's okay. That's not, tr- not trying to be too judgy. But if you're doing it for you, it's different. Don't baloney us and tell us it's for your kids. That's ridiculous. A new Pew Research report says young adults in 2023 are taking way longer to hit the milestones in life that Gen X, maybe the baby boomers, did in their age. I feel like you as a millennial are caught right in the middle of this, cat. Mm-hmm. So let's do a deeper dive on this. They say 64% of people that were 21 or younger in 1980 had their first full-time job. 64% had a full-time job by the age of 2021. 21. Sorry, the age of 21. I did that on the radio show <laughs> today too, like and I don't know why. Times. Okay, well, 64. Did something happened that year. That something that must traumatized have traumatized or was, tr- triggered you. Was that the pandemic? <laughs> that was actually the pandemic. Well, maybe I'm saying 2021. Still technically. Because I've lost a year. Uh, so in, in 1980, of 21-year-olds had their first full-time job. Today, that number is just 39%. Right. Less than 4 in 10 have had their first full-time job by 21. Okay. What about financial independence, where you're not relying on your parents anymore? Back in 1980, 42% of young adults were completely financially independent by 21. 
Now it's one in four, mm. 25%, from 42 to 25. What about your first place to live? A place to call your own, whether you own or rent. Back in 1980, 62% of 21-year-olds were out on their own in their own place. Today, that number is 50%. I'm surprised it's that high. I don't know who those 50% are. Well, maybe are those some people, does it count if you're living uh, somewhere for school? Ah, it could be res. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, res res is a thing. Or even just renting out a place while you're in school, something like that. Personal lives are the most affected. Marriage. In 1980, 32% of 21-year-olds were married. Basically, one in three married by 21 back in 1980. This year, the number is just 6%. Mm. It's the exact same for children. In 1980, 18% had had their first kid, almost one in five. Today, the number is just 6%. Mm-hmm. So when we look at this, obviously, something has changed. A lot has changed. You're absolutely right. So much has changed. Is this all the economy? Is it maturity? Is it different priorities in life? Is it that they put a greater emphasis on post-secondary education and that's why people are delaying this stuff? Mm -hmm. Why are kids today so different from kids just 40 years ago? Yeah, I I just think it's it's the world. It's definitely the world more so than the kids. I don't think that the maturity thing is is a factor here. I really don't. When you look at the 80s, how easy it was for single income families, you know what I mean? And for one person to not work, which would obviously bring you to, and usually it was the woman, right? I mean, that's back in the day, and I'm talking like back in the 40s and 50s, it always was that way. The woman stays home and raises kids and blah, blah, blah. So they could do all that stuff earlier, single income. Now, most people need double income. Most people need double income in order to have the life in the home and and the kids that they want to have. So that said, of course, you're going to slow down that process of having a family because you want to save up enough for it. School debt is higher as well. It takes longer to get past that. So when you look at all of those factors too, I think that that's one of the reasons why. Like at 21 years old, if someone's going to get married and have kids... You got to like they got to think ahead like, okay, well, who's working and how much money are we bringing in? Right. And some people still don't think about that, which is crazy, but that's fine to each their own. But you do have to set yourself up for that as women, especially we've changed a lot through the years. Right. We have goals and we have absolutely a ton of options for us now, whereas it never used to be that way. It used to be a well, it's fine. I'll just stay home with the kids, whatever. Now it's not really like that, you know, for a number of reasons, financial independence being one of them. So if that means we have to wait until we are all the way finished and we graduate and then we pay off some debt and then and then that happens. So the kid thing and the marriage thing, I get it. It's pushed back. I'd say the average age maybe is like 30-ish. I'm just throwing a number out there. I think at this point, or do you think it's even later than that now? Uh, it's right around that area. I think, I think you're it's about in the 30 sweet now, spot. Where it used to be like early 20s, right? Early 20s, you're married. Get that fucking get shit going. Let's go. I hadn't thought about the differences with women in particular. That's a really good point. Huge one. As I think about my own kids, I mean, I've got a daughter who is now, uh, well, in two weeks, will officially be graduated from university as a scientist. Just great. I can't wait to see her when I go out there and, and attend her graduation. She's not even close. Like at at 21, I was that stat. At 21, I did have my own place and I was financially independent. 
She's not even close, like mm -hmm. not even close, but she's probably a lot further along than my son who has absolutely nothing on the go. He's got two more years of school. And then I don't think he has any idea what he's going to do with his life. Yeah. Whereas back then you had to have life figured out. I was under contract at 19 years old. And I feel like those opportunities don't happen as often for younger people. Oh yeah. Maybe that's a part of the equation as well. But yeah, like for your, for your daughter, that's a great example. Cause young people right now, early twenties or like right around that 20 year range, she, you should be glad because she wants financial independence. She doesn't want to have to rely on anyone else. Nobody wants her financially independent more than I do. Right? Let me tell you that. <laughs> like, Let me fucking tell you that. Right? It's in your best interest that you are. And so when you have all those goals in your mind, like getting married and having a kid right away and getting a house and having bills, that just can't play. That can't factor into it. Things happen, of course, but that's if you're going to plan it, most people are like, replan this far out to make sure that financially it makes sense. Really, it is a money thing. When you look at all those things that you mentioned, the root of all of these things is money. Money. It's money. Cost of living has gone crazy, right? And we yeah. keep hearing about it because they keep comparing, for some reason, 2023 to the early 80s when inflation was crazy back then too. Now, back then... Interest rates were high as well, but people were used to high interest rates and high interest rates on a $30,000 mortgage were really not the end of the world. High interest rates on million dollar mortgages, those are a little bit different. Um, okay, there's still a couple more things I want to fit into this episode. Where's my wine? Oh, <laughs> Where let, me is tell, it? let me tell you guys a story. So we're on our way up from Deerhurst, dri driving separately, but I call Scott because I want to know where he's at. And Scott had arrived at Deerhurst Resort. Great. I'm five minutes away. He said, oh, you know what I wanted to do, though? I might go back out. There's an LCBO on the way. I didn't realize I, should pro I probably would want a bottle of wine. So I said, hey, I'm right around the corner from this LCBO you speak of right now. I'll pull in there and I'll grab a bottle of wine for you and a bottle of wine for me. And at the time, I'm thinking, Kat is a fucking hero. Now I can stand I here was. and smoke a joint in the parking lot while she picks up the wine. I don't have to drive anywhere. It's and great. I, and I did. And I went in and I even got specifics from you on what region you want and what kind of wine you want. And I got that. Very by thorough. The way. Very thorough. I got it and bought it and brought it to the hotel. So when I get there, I check in right away. And the bottle of wine went with me to the room, of course, and I put it in the room. And then uh, I get a text, hey, we're hanging outside with Tucker, our buddy Tucker. So Scott and Tucker and Mora were all outside. I was like, okay, cool. And, and then I bump into Mora. Mora says, come by for drinks at my place, at my hotel room, later, if you want. I said, sounds great. We'll meet up for drinks. I left the bottles in the room. We go out on a boat, long story short. Me, Scott, and a bunch of other of our colleagues from Chorus Entertainment. Great, fun times. We get back to the hotel and we've got about, what, 40 minutes till dinner or yeah. something like that? Not a lot of time. A, a 40 minute window, that's it. This is where, this is important here before you get upset about your bottle of wine. Because I text you from the room when I was ready and it took me 10 minutes to get ready for dinner essentially so we could just have a couple drinks before we go down and Maura's room. So I text Scott. I'm like, I'm ready in 10. He's like, oh, I got a shower. I need like 20, 25. <laughs> And that's fast well, getting ready for me. Yeah, if I'm ready in under half an hour, God that's quick. God takes so long to get ready. I'm already, I'm ready to go. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to bring his bottle of wine to the room because chances are he's not even going to have time to drink it. We got to go to the dinner and there's going to be wine at dinner. We all know this. So I brought only my bottle of wine to Maura's room, <laughs> which was a, uh, yeah, it was a fine wine, fine, whatever. It so actually was good. I usually was don't wine. like white wine, but that was good. Not bad, right? 
So we go to, so we go to Mars room and, and then Scott eventually makes it after he has a shower and gets ready and everyone's baffled that he's had a shower to get ready because nobody else is getting ready as long as him. So he makes it there just in time to have a glass of wine. So I offered you a glass of my wine and you did have one or two of, of the bottle of wine that I had. The one that I specifically bought for Scott was still in my room, but we head out down to dinner and we're there all night. We're there. We have a fire afterwards. We're there until we got a go to bed and wake up for the show the next morning. Late night. We were out till like 9 p.m. So here's the thing is, I don't know why you're asking for your bottle because I bought it essentially, initially for you, but you didn't have time to drink it. So I thought, well, I'll just bring it back with me and put it in my wine collection. So that's what I did. Do I need to give it to you just because I, I, you didn't pay me for it, just to be perfectly clear. So you're like, here, I'm e-transferring you now because I didn't care about the money, by the way. It's not even about the money. Don't care. But I thought just because you didn't have time to drink it, I wasn't going to just, hey, here's the bottle I intentionally bought for you because I thought, I'll, I like this wine too. I've had it before. It's a good, it's a good one. So I didn't give it to you because I, I, I got it. Well, I didn't pay you for it because you didn't give it to me. <laughs> That's the problem. But it's a real chicken and egg scenario it, here. I suppose, but when would you have wanted it? Oh, I know. We didn't have time to, you didn't even have time to drink. Did you want it for the ride home? I assume no. No, but the elevator was pretty slow at Deerhurst. <laughs> You could have asked me for it. <laughs> I could finish so half the bottle on I the ride down to the I, first floor. For the record, I didn't open it. It's still sealed. And on your birthday, you're going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, it is National Wine Day today. And wine is one of those things that some people love it. Some people kind of like it. I feel like there's not a lot of people that hate wine. No, unless they're young. You have to develop a taste right? for you, it. It's I one think, of those yeah. you develop a taste for it. Our favorite type of wine, all the stats are out for the national day. Favorite type of wine worldwide, red, followed by mm -hmm. white, followed by rosé. Okay. The most popular red, Merlot. Oh, Merlot. That I wouldn't have guessed because I find Merlot is a real hit and miss with some people. Some Merlots are great. Some people find them a little dry. They prefer the Cab Sav, which can be less dry and a little more fruity in some cases. Pinot Noir and Red Zin. Okay. In that order, worldwide. Okay. They say there's some mistakes we make when it comes to wine. The number one, holding the glass by the bulb mm -hmm. instead of by mm -hmm. the stem. Can I say I know that, but I still do that. I hold it by the bulb all the time. Yeah, I do. Uh, uh, for me, because it's a temperature thing too. You're not supposed to impact the temperature. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's a bunch of baloney really. If you hold it by the stem too, I feel like there's way more of a chance that you're just going to knock that thing over. I don't want to be at a party holding it by at the bottom and then... Someone comes along and I'm like, hey, and then I spill it everywhere. It's very right. wobbly at the bottom. I'm not, I'm not doing that. There's two problems with holding a wine glass by the stem. Number one, you look silly. It looks weird to be holding a glass that's got a big top on yes. it and you're just holding it like this. Right, especially when you do have those ones and there's certain wines where you need the bigger the bowl, the better the taste, the way it hits your palate. You know the ones. Like, especially the reds. you got to have a big, bulbous glass for a lot of those. They're also a little top-heavy. And yeah, yes, spills happen. Right? I don't want to be that guy. Like wobbling all over the... No, I'm going to knock it over for sure if I do that. The other things we do wrong are opening the cork or opening the bottle wrong and getting cork in the bottle and mispronouncing uh. the name when ordering wine <laughs> at a restaurant. Zinfandali. I'll take some of that. Got a good bottle of peanut back there, because that's what I'm interested in. You know, the Griggio. I'd like some of that. Give me some of the Griggio. The Merlot. I love some of that. How many glasses of wine do you figure the average person drinks in a sitting? In a sitting. Average, you not you. You know what? <laughs> 
there are a lot of people out there that will have one glass, like literally at dinner every night, which is not me. I don't even do it every night. But when I do it, I do more than one glass. So I'm going to go with one to one, uh, two. I'm going to go with two. 74% of wine drinkers say one or two glasses yeah. is their limit. Yeah. Yeah. Some people like just a bit. 9% take down a full bottle themselves. That's five glasses. Well, I, that's bullshit. That's Who f- measured that? That's a four glass. <laughs> a bottle four is four gla- glasses. Yeah, who's four glasses? Nobody like gets five six glasses. Ounces? Is that why? The six ounce? Sh- Nobody asks for the six ounce, right? Nobody wants that. If they offer you a six, nine, or 12 ounce, you're going to take the nine or the 12. Every time. Unless it's just that big a price difference. The average person drinks over three gallons of wine a year, and they say it's been going pretty mu- going up pretty much every year mm. nonstop for decades. 50 years ago, we were drinking half that much. Hmm. So, which country makes the best wine, Kat? Oh, gosh. This is... Welcome the- to the party. Wow. This is hard because I actually like certain things from certain regions and certain countries. Me too. I'm very specific on which one I like from each one. But if I have to pick one country, I'm going to say France. One in five. Say the United States, particularly California, Napa Valley. Yeah, okay. Has the best wine in the world. And yeah, it's hard to disagree. It's not bad. Napa's got some great bottles, but because some of them are overpriced, I feel like all of them have raised their price. And California wine's getting a little too expensive. Some of those bottles are not worth as much as they're charging. Mm, good How, point. Second place, France. Okay, there you go. Italy was third place. So I'll tell you guys what I'm doing now when it comes to wine. I, I love my California Merlots. That is probably my favorite That's thing to go sit and to? drink. Red California Merlot. Mm-hmm. I also like Tuscan. Tuscan wine is great. I, I've also developed a bit of a like lately for French wine. But when it's French, it's probably white wine. I think their white's better than their red. I th- and I think their rosé is one of the best, too. The French rosés are fabulous. The most underrated wine is Chilean. I'll say oh, it. Chilean's good. Chilean wine and even some Argentinian Argentinian, Argentinian wine. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Portugal has got some really good wine too. It, I never buy Portuguese wine because I don't know what to buy. But anytime I'm over at a friend's house and they've got Portuguese wine, I haven't had a bad bottle yet. So those are some things well, that you can try. And that's what the app is for, right? Anytime we talk about wine, we end up talking about this app. They do not pay us for this. No. But there's a great app called Vivino. V-I-V. Uh, is it V-I-V-N-O? That's it, right? V-I-V-I-N-O. I-N-O? Yeah. So you can actually friend us on there if you want. I haven't posted on here in a while, but I will. Uh, anyway, you could find friends on there too and share with them. So when you're out somewhere, you just take a picture of the label and all the information pops up. So you can save it. You can rate it, etc. Where it was grown. Yeah, it's, I'll tell you all the details. What the farmer want. was wearing when he stomped it. Honestly. It's crazy. Uh, <laughs> three out of four people say the best place to sit down and have a glass of wine is... At home. I, mm, at home, baby. Right now, for me, it's outside. I, outside drinking is so much better than inside drinking when you can, right? Because mm-hmm. winter, you're all cooped up, and that's fine. Maybe a nice glass of wine by the fire is a good thing in the in the wintertime. My God, when we can get outside, the sun hits you a certain way, or you're watching a sunset with a glass, my favorite. At home, absolutely. You can fully relax there, right? That's why. That's one of the reasons why. In a blind taste test involving one cheap bottle of wine and one really good bottle of wine, only 36% were able to identify the good one versus the bad. Mm. In other words, well, I'm going to say you can't go wrong. You can go wrong. There's some real shitty ones. Avoid the real shit ones. You don't want wild vines to be taken over to somebody's house or something yeah, like that. No. 
I love when people ask me and you can ask us. I get that all the time. DMs from people who are like, I heard you like wine. I'm going to a friend's house or or it's my friend's birthday. They like wine. What do I do? What yeah. do I get? We need a little bit of information. I will say if you do want to do that, we're happy to help and suggest stuff. We just need a little bit of info, though, because we need to know what they like. And that might mean a region that might mean maybe, you know, they're, they're good with any reds. That's good to know. Maybe you're good with any whites or you want a good rosé recommendation. All of those things. I definitely like have had like all of the rosés that are dry specifically though, for me, when it comes to wine, once you learn how to read an LCBO label, it'll change your life. Yep. And sugar content is key because I, I hate when I hear this and I hear this a lot. I can't drink wine because I get a headache the next day. You're drinking wine that has too much sugar. In yes. It. The lower the wine, and I mean like two grams, there's on the label, you'll see grams per liter. Ask someone at the LCBO to show you exactly because it's amazing. Some reds are freaking 42 grams a liter. It's worse than juice. It's disgusting. Mm-hmm. So you want to go low, low sugar. The drier, the better. And if you don't like the taste of dry, you'll be surprised actually at how many wines don't taste dry with still three, four, sometimes up to six grams a liter. Totally fine. It'll help with that because you're probably guzzling stuff that's like 60 grams. Some of it's up to like 80 grams. It's insane. The number one thing we consider when picking out wine is cost. Oh, I was going to say the bottle too. That's sometimes fat. Can I just say too, I'm a sucker for a pretty bottle. But cost is a huge, of course it's a huge deal. You can get some really, really, really great wine for under $20 a bottle. In comparison, you can get some really shitty wine that they want 80 or 90 bucks a bottle for. Get what you like, but don't be afraid to go into vintages. No. Nope. Don't ever be afraid to go in there because the person who works there, their main job as the vintages rep, is to order in wine that people like and to explain the different wines that they have. They would love to talk to you. And if you go in there and say, I'm a noob, I want to get into wine, or I got to get some wine, but I don't know what I'm looking for, with some basic questions, they can point you in the right direction. Although, like Kat said, we do too. I do that uh, recreationally on the side. You can just DM me. (laughs) Happy to help. Need wine for this occasion. Just give us the basic info and we will help you out. Uh, Brand is the next most important thing when searching for wine. You know what, though? Sometimes just because you recognize the brand doesn't mean it's going to be better than something else. Mm -hmm. I find some of the best wines I've ever had are like hidden treasures. Like it's a small winery in France or in Italy or something like that. It's not necessarily... I'll even talk about Ontario for a little bit, right? There's some great Peller wines out there or Trius wines, and maybe you you get it because you recognize the label. There's a lot of small, great wineries that you can find. And I think of BC the most just because when I took that trip to Kelowna and I know you've been before too, I saw so many wonderful little wineries that I'm like, this is fabulous. If you bottled this and put it under this label, you would sell so much of it. But because they're like a small timey looking you know, label that you don't recognize, doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. Try, try, try a bunch of different ones. The third most important factor when choosing wine is the alcohol percentage. Can I tell you, I've never never once looked at it. I never look at alcohol percentage, ever. The only time I do is when you know you get like the light, like the light ones. Uh uh, And then people say, oh, it's pretty good. If I look at that light one and I see it's like very low percent, I'm like, "Mm, I don't think it's worth that money then. If you're telling me that I have to have two glasses (laughs) to feel as much as I'll feel with one glass with that one probably going there and a lot of the time that light that i speak of like i said watch the sugar content because sometimes it has nothing to do with that before we go it's another huge increase at the gas pumps a five cent increase at midnight cat 
We're paying an average of $1.64 a liter now. And what I'm wondering about is, why this time? They always give us some sort of a weird excuse about why gas prices are going up, and some of those excuses are terrible. Dumb. Most of them have nothing to do with Canada. In this case, they're saying part of the reason that the prices needed to shoot up five cents overnight is the fires in Alberta. Can I tell you I don't believe them? <laughs> I don't believe it. I just don't. I, I think you're lying when you say yeah, that. Yeah. For years, Canadians have been saying, we have a lot of oil in this country. How about we refine cheap gas here for Canadians and what's left over, we export to the rest of the world. And then you get laughed at by the pundits and the experts in the oil industry. Oh, no, it doesn't work that way. There's global forces and there's this and that and international concerns over pricing and OPEC and... Whatever. You guys just keep coming up with excuses Baloney. for why, even though it's ours, it's here in our ground, we can't have access to it at reasonable rates. Whereas other oil-producing nations, they do. We don't. Now, they want to justify this increase by telling us it is a purely Canadian factor? I just don't buy it. Like, which is it? Does Canada matter or does Canada not matter? Because yeah. I feel like they're just ripping us off. And you know what would really frustrate me is if, let's say there's partial truth to this, the most annoying part to me is that that means they're distributing it to someone else and we're basically taking it from that other party and that's the reason why. Either way, it's frustrating. Why? We've got it here. We've got it here. We own a pipeline. I don't know when we're going to finish it or why we haven't, but why can't we just take that until we're completely electric and we don't need gas anymore we have to accept the fact that we need gas for now yeah. and if we need it there's no reason to make it more expensive than it needs to be we're getting off of it we've got a clear path to full electrification but in the meantime we don't need to torture ourselves we should be making our oil available to all canadians at a reasonable price and if you're going to tell us now that canadian factors like wildfires in alberta i would expect that to impact the price of oil but everything we've been told so far is that uh, Canadian factors don't really matter that yeah, much. We're not buying it, but, but but we're kind of screwed, aren't we? Like, we're at the mercy of them. We are. Oh, it, it, totally. They, there's nothing we can do about it, unless you want to dig really deep. <laughs> well, there's a huge monopoly in oil, right? You spend your life digging deep. You're not going to do it. Was it something like more than 85% of the gas stations in Canada are owned by three different companies, which are owned by two different oil companies? It's astounding to me that this is allowed to happen because it would never happen in any other industry. The government would be all over that, calling it a monopoly and trying to break it apart. Gotta go, everybody. Have a great Throwback Thursday. We will catch you tomorrow with another After 9. Bye, bye.